Merkel Media. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves, he's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody else, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face, they basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Yep. Yep. Welcome to the show, everybody listening to the Confessionals Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have a crazy, wild experience you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is contact at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's the contact at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. And if you get a hold of me and shoot me those emails, sometimes those emails turn into podcast episodes, which then turn into films for Merkel Media. If you have not checked out The Shape of Shadows or Expedition Dogman, what are you waiting for? Go check it out at Merkel.media and you can stream it right there. Watch the two films that we came out with because there's a lot more coming. We have several coming out in 2024. Don't miss out on the action. Merkel.media. Check out the films today, Exhibition Dogman and The Shape of Shadows. If you want to become a member, go ahead and check us out at theconfessionalspodcast.com slash join. There you can get yourself access to all the membership content that comes out on Thursdays, the Tuesday shows ad-free, and also overtime segments when they're available right there on theconfessionalspodcast.com and on the Confessionals app. Thank you very much for being here, guys. Thanks for checking out the show. If you're new, welcome. We have a great show coming on for you today. We have Pastor Mike Signorelli out of New York City. He was on a few weeks ago, and his people contacted me and said that he'd love to come back on. And I was like, absolutely, bring him back. So we scheduled it out, and here he is today to talk more about the paranormal realm, the supernatural realm, and how demons and giants correlate together. Let's get to Pastor Mike Signorelli right now. All right, today we have returning guest, Pastor Mike Signorelli. How are you, sir? Come on, pastor, exorcist, paranormal <laughs> expert. Yeah, man. Whatever, whatever the title works. Yeah, let's go there today. I'm super excited. I was telling you like offline that 
the response to our last time together was off the charts. I mean, my DMs and messages blew up from people saying it was the collab I never thought I was going to get, but I always needed. So thanks for having me back. Listen, I, I'm glad to have you and stuff. I remember, um, I forget who I was talking to, but I was talking to somebody, it was somebody mutual that we both know. And I, was, I said to them, do you think that that Mike would come on the show? And they're like, yeah, you can ask. I'm like, cool. So I just shot, I just shot like an email to, to you and stuff. And then your people got back to me and we've, we've got it worked out. And I'm really glad it happened because, uh, you know, I think that you're somebody I would love to have back on the show as time goes on, just as a reference point, because, you know, I, I, um, I'm not shy about who I am, uh, on the show and stuff. I mean, it's a paranormal podcast. We have people from all different walks of life. Uh, but yeah. ever since I started the show seven years ago, almost seven years ago now, um, you know, I've been very open about my faith in being a Christian. And, um, there are times that I, I'll say things on the show or uh, a guest will say things or the conversation goes a certain direction that I am actually surprised that other people who listen to the show that are Christians will uh, send us messages, emails, almost reprimanding me for the topic of a conversation. And wow. uh, it, it's nice to um, have somebody like you in, in uh, contact with I can bring you on maybe like, so what do you think about this topic of conversation and stuff? And uh, hopefully you can validate what we talked about, or maybe you're like, uh, you know, actually you were, you were out of place there. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I'm, I'm definitely available. And I'm more of a practitioner as well. As you know, like I, I have so much footage of people just again, dealing with the demonic. I have so many, you know, I've, I used to make a ton of house visits and um, it's hard to find people who speak authoritatively through experience because so many people, it's just, it's theoretical, right? And you're getting like second and third and fourth hand information. But I've literally traveled the world and been in so many different cultures and encountered so many uh, supernatural things that again, I've caught on audio or video or both. And they just, you build a repertoire of, of like a knowledge base that you access in different moments. So I'm definitely here to give a, a perspective and uh, so glad to be here. I'll tell you what, uh, off air, I need to talk to you about an experience that I personally had just this past weekend. Um, mm -hmm. We were we were shooting our last night of our next film or one of the films we're going to be coming out with next year, and something happened that uh, I, I I just want to present to you at some point, but uh, it's not yeah. it's not available for public consumption yet, so I can't talk yeah. about it here. But uh, yeah, so last time you were on, we talked a lot about uh, demonic possession and a lot of supernatural things, uh, and you know. I, we can kind of go all over the place, but what I want to do is kind of start out with uh, recapping the Domino Revival, uh, what the film was about, but also I'm curious as to how it went and stuff. I mean, I was watching it online and, you know, it seemed like a lot of people were responding well to it. So uh, from you as somebody who put out, put out the film, how do you feel about the release of the, the film and how it all went for you? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's very ironic to read a Bible where you have supernatural experiences happening on the regular and then we take our family to churches that the sermon's a TED talk. Essentially, it's a motivational speech and nothing supernatural ever happens. Then on the other end of the spectrum, there's charismania where it's really not supernatural. It's just emotionalism. And yeah. so you, you could have the same experience at a Jets game in New York, right? Or at, at the Yankee Stadium. Like it's, it's not supernatural. And so I think for me, we, I don't chase the supernatural but in my attempt to follow Christ, signs, miracles, wonders, medically verifiable miracles, you know, again, people being freed from demonic spirits, all that stuff's going to happen. 
And again, I'm not seeking those signs. I'm seeking Christ. But wherever Jesus was in scripture, you have the the account of miracles happening. And so really the film, and this was really cool. If you guys check out my YouTube channel, for example, I showed these things happening because people, I told everyone, when you get to the theater, I want you to have your phone ready. And as the movie ends and I come up on the simulcast live stream and I begin to pray for people, you know, there's going to be high levels of skepticism. So, so the best thing we can do is document it. And so, I mean, I'm telling you what, for example, one woman came in a wheelchair, received prayer through the simulcast, got up out of the wheelchair literally after somebody prayed for her while I was praying and then walked her around the theater. And then she ended up walking, literally walking her own wheelchair out of the theater. And I know a lot of times we've seen televangelists and charlatans do stuff like that. But what makes this different is it's, it's just normal people. And that was kind of the point of my movie was Jesus didn't come to make rock stars and celebrities. He came to make disciples. And so he, Jesus said something really crazy that most pastors do not teach. He said, you will do what I do and you will do greater works. And that, and so we don't teach that in the American evangelical church that we can do the same things that Christ did. And obviously it should give him glory. And so um, what I love about the movie was those types of miracles happening over and over again. Another thing is, here's the thing, like I believe that if I were the devil, my primarily primary goal would be to be hidden, right? Uh, because when any time a military is fighting another military, they wear camouflage because there's a strategic advantage to hiddenness. So when people are like, oh, the devil doesn't exist, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, if he's doing his job correctly, you believe that. <laughs> because what enemy would ever want you to think they exist in your territory? So the movie though was me unmasking the devil and reveal and saying, no, no, like here's the camouflage. Let me pull that off. And now you can see that there are demons. And so as a result of that, I mean, when I say tens of thousands, this is not hyperbole. It's not exaggeration. Tens of thousands of people begin to manifest demons and, and exorcisms happen in movie theaters across America. And the beautiful part of it is it primarily happened when we started talking about suicide and canceling suicides. So I'm, I mean, we're weeks, weeks out from the movie being in, you know, theaters, like it's over uh, here in the U S it's going to go to digital distribution here in the next month or so, but I'm still getting emails from people saying, I feel incredible. I feel light. I feel so free. Uh, you know, um, the the suicidal um, tendencies are gone. The thoughts are gone, and I think and they and a lot of people were saying I never got those results doing any other traditional means, and I got free through prayer. And demons came out. I vomited on the floor of the movie theater, or wow. you know, whatever. Like it, it, these crazy stories, but I feel amazing, and it's been weeks. That's wild. So. Uh... I hope you emailed the theaters and said, sorry about all the vomit. Uh, that's We did. <laughs> <laughs> well, we even tried to prepare people ahead of time and say, bring your own bags, bring your own paper towels. Like it's going to get messy when, when people are getting free. Yeah, no, absolutely. Bring your mop buckets, all that, you know, <laughs> be, be courteous, you know, plan ahead. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's really wild. And, and, you know, it, it seems like uh, based off that, it, do you find 
in your ministry and dealing with people that the idea of suicidal thoughts and and things like that is a predominant thing. So when you see that happen in as a result of the movie, is was it something that was surprising or more like par for the course? Uh, for me, it's par for course because whenever you begin to unmask the devil, that's when the greatest manifestations happen. Because basically demons are saying, oh no, I'm exposed. I'm, this is the last and final step before I'm removed. You know, because it's like you once, for example, once a doctor determines you have cancer, that's when the treatment starts. And, and so a lot of times people are dealing with demons in their life. They don't, they're not, they're unaware of it. And then once it gets diagnosed and it's like, oh, that's it. And that, that's like a lot of the footage I have is, you know, people will say, Pastor Mike, can you pray for me? I'm sick. Now, I don't believe that all sickness is spiritual in origin physically. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of biological reasons, you know, we have to be wise and steward our bodies and, you know, eat right and all of that. And I, and I do, by the way, believe that we're being systematically poisoned, especially here in the U.S. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like I have Italian descent. I spent time in Sicily and I was smashing pizzas and literally losing weight. <laughs> and so like we're, we are systematically being poisoned by like multinational food companies and stuff. And I, and I believe that. But, um, but, I, but I also believe that some sickness is rooted in demonization, being under the power of demons, because Jesus cast out a spirit of infirmity one time as recorded in scripture. And again, when you go to your local church, they'll pray for you to be healed. Most pastors will pray for you. Hey, Jesus, touch them. Would you please heal their body? Very few pastors also will say, well, maybe I'm discerning this as a spirit. And Jesus did that as recorded in scripture. Again, some of it was biological, some of it was spiritual. And so I say that all to say that it you have to operate in wisdom because I've prayed for people and the origin of it, I discerned through the Holy Spirit was, was demonic, cast that demon out of them. And then the manifestation of it was a physical healing. And we see that over and over and over and over again. And so you have to fight a problem on the level that it originated and demons hate, they hate legacy. They hate legacy. And so when you talk about suicide, you know, some people say, well, you know, is it a chemical imbalance in our brain? Is it our food that's contributing to it? We, you know, we're being systematically poisoned. Is it all these environmental factors? I would say, yeah. I mean, the economic situation we're in, especially in the U.S., it, rising cost of things, inflation, it's all contributing to this, this really depressive, morose state that we're all in. But then on the flip side, you have some people that even in their childhood, they, were, they had these thoughts of killing themselves. And you know, even when things were you know, not as bad. And so you just have to go in and like sort of diagnose it. One of my favorite scriptures says, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And so we'll deal with it on the level of demonic. We'll deal with it on the level of their diet. We'll deal with it on the level of their, you know, their, their vocation, their job holistically. So again, I'm not just like a Pentecostal charismatic freak, you know, where everything is just only a demon. But I think for us right now, these compounding factors are all converging and you see the suicide rate is going through the roof. Matter of fact, I was just reading a study this morning that said for the first time since 1996, the, the um, life expectancies be, between male and female 
are um, dramatically increasing. And one of the reasons is because men are killing themselves at a disproportionate rate and it's increasing. So we need to confront this issue on multiple fronts. Um, but we can't, you can't like what you can't necessarily always solve it with a pill. Some, you know, you can't always even solve it sometimes with just counseling one-on-one. If there is a demonic influence, you need to deal with it on the level of that it originated. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because we have uh, listeners from all different, you know, career paths in life. And I did a live show in uh, Houston, I think it was in 2019. And a lady came out to greet me. And she said the reason why she bought tickets is to let me know that just through listening to my show, it's helped her in her practice dealing with her clients. And mm. then like this other lady who came on the show, she literally went into uh, psychology and, and uh, I forget what the exact uh, career path was, but she went into it because she had a strong suspicion that a lot of these uh, people who are being diagnosed as uh, schizophrenic and things like that actually had demon uh, attachments in their life. And so uh, when you're talking about the, the poisoning of our generation and things like that through the food industry and stuff, it's it's that it's the it's the medical it's the the complete um, uh, expulsion of any kind of supernatural framing of mindset out of our society and uh, sometimes the the best well a, a lot of times the best medicine is actually through Christ and uh, we kind of negate that throughout our our culture um, and even for me as somebody who grew up Pentecostal. Um, but never really had things explained to me properly. I didn't really yeah. understand why uh, certain things happened. And uh, it actually, as I got older, and then I went to a Bible college and it was a Pentecostal school, but I wound up living on a floor with a bunch of Calvinists. And so I had a whole different mm. um, theology thrown at me and it really kind of took me for a spin. And um it sent me uh, as an adult down this road of uh, not sure what my theology is. I, I, I still say I'm more of a hybrid than anything. Um, yeah, but, me too. Yeah, I, 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 I started noticing though, uh, ever since I moved to Tennessee, and I was actually, when we were looking for a church, I was thinking I was going to look for more of like a reform type church. And my friend invited me to uh, his church and I went just to kind of get the gears going, but it was, it was a a Pentecostal church. And it turns out my pastor already knew who I was. So that was a big selling point for me. Um, but I love it. But he, uh, but being in that church and being in Pentecostal, that Pentecostal environment, it, it, it's just, it's been different than anything that I've ever seen. And I say all this because um, ever since going to that church, I've been seeing just in practicality when I, when I'm living my life and I'm experiencing things and hearing people say certain things, I've been identifying more and more things that I believe are more demonic than anything else. And uh, so I yeah. don't know if I, I don't know if, if I'm changing or what, but like uh, I I'm seeing a lot of demonic uh, things throughout our culture that I think needs to be addressed. And uh, is suicide something that you think is like, so I, I hear people talk about these different things and, and sometimes it's, it's referred to almost as like, there's a demon of suicide. Is that something that, that, that you, how like is it like a singular type of demon that possesses many people that that causes them to commit suicide or is it like a um I, I, I'm lacking the, the terminology as to what I'm trying to describe but more of like sure. a, an idea that kind of permeates people 
demonically? Yeah, that's a great question. So there's theologically, there's two different origins of demons. When you talk to, you know, it's people who study this. And I've devoted the last 25 years of my life to doing very deep dives on the topic. And so guys like Derek Prince, who, you know, one of the most prolific writers on the topic of demons and deliverance, you know, he suggested that it was um, a pre-Adamic race. And so like, if you look at Genesis chapter one, verse one, God created the heavens and the earth and it was good. Then you look at Genesis chapter one, verse two, and it says, and lo, it's without form and, you know, it's void. A lot of theologians have speculated something happened between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. Oftentimes it's referred to as the, the fall of Lucifer or Lucifer's flood. And so there, there is a popular belief. And again, even notable uh, theologians like Derek Prince would say that there was this race of people on planet earth before, before Adam and Eve, and that Lucifer gets expelled from heaven. And as he gets cast out, it's, it, he hits the earth, you know, and then obviously it annihilates this race of people, but then they become these like decommissioned spirits because there's, there's no redemptive element through Christ, you know, at, or any old covenant redemptive element. Um, and so there was this time before. So that's, so you have some, like some people who would suggest that demons are, I, and I, I kind of coined the phrase decommission because they, where do they go? You know, these decommissioned spirits that then another um, common, and I've got a, a lot of deep dives on my YouTube channel for this as well. But like, you, you know, many people have heard of the Nephilim. And so later on in Genesis, you have these uh, race of giants that, you know, th these, this intermingling that happens between fallen angels and humans, which, you know, anytime somebody questions like, well, how could something interdimensional procreate? I, I always point them to the fact that if you are a Christian, you believe that the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and was able to create Jesus. And so, right. and that's something I very rarely hear theologians talk about because people would be like, well, how do you get a race of giants in the book of Genesis as a result of interdimensional angels sleeping with, with the daughters of men? And it's like, well, that's how we got Jesus was that the Holy Spirit overshadowed her womb and without a man, a biological male conceived Jesus. So like, if you're a Christian, you're already in on this theology, yeah. you know? And so again, these children... Um, of fallen angels and and the daughters of men and and I've got sermons on you know on this I preach I actually preach on these things uh, to my church which very few pastors do you know and I was talking the other day I, I was preaching about this and was just talking about how you know when you know Sodom and Gomorrah for example happens and you know the story of Lot's wife being turned to a pillar of salt like there there is a scripture that says that the men wanted to have sex with the angels that came to destroy it. So you, the desire is illustrated in scripture, which is crazy. And I love yeah. this stuff, by the way. Um, and so this, so I would say the other popular belief of demon, I'm answering your question, but I'm just getting fine. there a little bit longer would be that. So now let's just say these, these giants that are produced by fallen angels sleeping with women uh, they now are killed and their spirit, where does their spirit go? You know, and so some would say that that is a demon and that spirit 
is now trying to get into a physical body so that it can animate that body. And, and I always use the example of a glove, you know, with a hand in the glove. And so it's like the, the glove is being animated by the hand. And so your spirit is animating your physical body. And so your spirit, your body being the glove. And so when Jesus was casting out a legion of demons, which was a large number of demons, that's what legion means as a large number, they are begging him, please send us to into pigs. And because they desperately want to be in a body because that's how they can carry out their will. And by virtue of going from a person to pigs, they can then, what did they do? They, they literally ran the pigs. They used that ability to go into that physical body to go to drown them so that they can be released to then go back into people. And, and so they'll do anything, please. They literally beg, don't send us to the abyss because once we go to the abyss, we, we can't, we're, we're, we're in a holding place. We can't do anything. But if you send us into a body, we can go into another body. And so I say all that to say that demons, um, some people, and I'm trying to give the crash course in like three minutes, <laughs> but some people would say there is a demon of suicide, but it's because it was, and this is where it gets very icky. This is where you get like cold chills beat down your spine is that a demon is simply a spirit using your body to reenact the sin that they did when they had a body. Mm. So like, if, for example, if there is a demon of lust, this is an ancient spirit that used to have a body. Maybe it was a Nephilim body that was carrying out sexually perverse acts and wants your body now to continue that ancient behavior. Isn't that disgusting to think about? Yeah. Or if it's a spirit that was inside of a physical body that used to murder and used to kill, it wants to kill you. So like, that's the best explanation I can give in a short period of time. And usually when I start talking like this, people get super grossed out because they start realizing a demon is a person without a body that desperately wants your body to carry out its sadistic, sinful nature. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's... that's uh, no, that's not a go for me. Uh, <laughs> I... I uh, so, I mean, we hear people talk about their encounters with like incubus and succubus. Uh, and that's kind of almost like the, maybe the opposite end of what you're describing. It's not like a, a, a demonic possession of this entity trying to act out what it did before through your body, but it is trying to act out what it did before with your body onto your body. Uh, I just talked to a guy not too long ago. I think the episode released recently for members, but he talked about his his experiences where he would have this sleep paralysis and he would wake up with this female entity uh, doing sexual acts with him. And uh, it, it's one of those things where kind of goes back to what you were saying, only instead of it trying to do it with your body, like through your body, it's doing it with your body, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that that's why people need to understand like, Yes, we take ownership of our own actions because there's people listening right now saying like, oh, I get it. That's blame shifting. Like a demon made me do it. But I do think on the flip side, you do hear this common, you know, when you study uh, court cases and like this common phenomenon. And sometimes you have to think like our concept of mental health is like only a couple of hundred years old at best. 
you know, the wisdom of the ancients where they believed in the spiritual realm. They believed, you know, I've got a, one of my highest viewed videos is a renowned astrophysicist who is a man of science explaining the scientific implications of UFOs and, and, and aliens. And so it's like, and I think sometimes what happens is many of the listeners right now, you guys are so limited by 20th and 21st century language that you do have to point back to the wisdom of the ancients because they kind of understood that there that there was this interplay of the spiritual and the natural. And and so of course we don't blame everything on a demon, but then the other the on the other end of the spectrum if you don't ever open up to the possibility that there are these evil malevolent entities that are trying to act out this nature in and through your life, then you're just going to keep trying to take a pill, change your diet, change your workout program, and not ever realize, why am I not getting free? Why is my life not getting better? And I think one of the reasons why the new age and occult practices and covens of witches and all those things are on the rise right now is because people are dialing in every natural phenomenon possible, and yet they're still saying, wow, I didn't, I don't feel any better. And so there has to be a spiritual realm. And if there is a spiritual realm, how do I interact with it? And again, what the devil does is he always offers a counterfeit because if he does reveal himself, he's either concealed or if he does reveal himself, it's always as an angel of light. And so, and then when you do accept that, that deception, you go on that journey. And so then there's a third wave and we're in it now. This is why it's so exciting. So like first wave is the devil doesn't exist. It's atheism. And for the last 20 years, it's been like me contending with people who are atheistic and agnostic. Second wave is the devil reveals himself, but through counterfeit spirituality, which has been the last five years. Then this third wave is just starting to hit where all these witches and all these people who are engaging in these practices are binging in the spiritual realm. And then they're realizing, okay, I have new evidence. The spiritual realm is real, but I'm worse off than I was when I started burning sage and doing crystals and all these the you know tarot. And so now they're in the beginning phases of accepting Christ. And that's what we're starting to see, which I think is like third wave of of Satan from like he doesn't exist to he's an angel of light to like oh no this is demonic and that's why I think guys like me are exploding right now on the scene because I've been saying this stuff for like 25 years and nobody believed it and now everyone's like oh I became a witch and I definitely believe in demons now and and the only thing they responded to was the power of Christ yeah uh- Oh crap, Signorelli was right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I I never fit because I got rejected by the mainline Christian communities because evangelical Caucasian Christianity, like ironically, doesn't have anything spiritual or supernatural about it. At best, it's emotional. So I kept getting rejected by those circles. And, um, you know, by the way, when you go overseas, you know, whether it's Eastern European countries or African nations, like even the Presbyterians there are supernatural. The Methodists are supernatural. Like it's really only in America where you don't see it as much. So I think for me, this has kind of been a long time coming and super vindicating because I'm like, all right, (laughs) welcome to my world now, you know? Yeah. Let me show you around the house. You know, this is the fireplace. So uh, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's really... It's it. That's how I feel about things too. I mean, uh, the supernatural realm is real, and uh, yeah. for a long time, 
uh, it has not been given enough attention through the Western culture and the church. And so mm-hmm. when people that are not in the church are having supernatural experiences, they don't have the church as an even an option for an adequate yeah. response and answer. And so mm-hmm. uh, I think we're we're starting to have this transition through uh, many different venues. Uh, you know, there's pastors yeah. like you who are have have been speaking out about this stuff and providing answers, and people are finding uh, you know sanctuary there. Uh, but then there's also things where even like with this podcast, I mean, like the podcast itself is, is the the entire history of the show. I mean, I just came out with episode like. 601 or something like it's it's literally people telling their experiences and people coming to the table saying yeah this stuff is real let's hear about it and Mm. uh it's 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 basically a weekly group meeting of people who are like yeah yeah this is this stuff is real and how how deep does the rabbit hole go and we're finding out that that it goes very deep and that the supernatural realm uh i think we are often uh, inclined to try to define it and limit it to our own understanding. But uh, yeah, I, I think it, it's it's far more, if you want to call it bizarre and complex than what we can, yep. we can imagine at times. And you're kind of going back to what you were talking about earlier um, and the, the, the idea of the fallen angels and angels and, and, and the physicality of it and, and the Nephilim and all that. I mean, that's all very supernatural. Um, and one of the things that uh, you know we've tackled over the years in the show when we talk about Nephilim is the idea of you know them surviving the flood, and you know the scripture right. says that they survived the flood. They're, they're there yeah. before the yep. flood and after. Um, I've heard many different uh, explanations uh, as to how it's possible for them to survive the flood. I go a, a very crazy route for most people, and I'm like. Well, their fathers are fallen angels, which means they probably have supernatural abilities like their dads did. They probably went interdimensional. Uh, and I have a whole way of thinking when I, when I start spewing that and talking about it. But I would like to hear maybe your, your common understanding as to how is it possible that we had Nephilim in Numbers 1333, which was well after the flood, when the flood was supposed to destroy everything? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, it's an excellent question. And I've delved into this for years and years. So I, there's two places where I think we land logically. So number one is when you go to Mark chapter five and different instances where Jesus was encountering demonized people, they have supernatural strength, supernatural ability. And so if demons are the spirits of fallen Nephilim, then you in by logic, like a logical conclusion is we have a man who's physically able to break chains and do uh, supernatural feats of strength. And so if that spirit is residing inside of a, a phys- and also a physical body um, of a Nephilim, then yeah, of course they could survive a flood by virtue of like some sort of ability that's outside of our limited human ability. And so I think that's totally plausible. I don't think you're crazy for that. And, and I would say my biblical reference for it would be, again, if, if Nephilim are the spirit if demons are the spirits of Nephilim, then in Mark 5, you see a supernatural strength inside of a normal human because there's this like synergistic relationship between a human body and that the, the spirit of a Nephilim. But then another po- popular, and I'm I'm not adding anything new, just, just rather telling the listeners like another popular view 
would, and this again becomes a little controversial, would be um, the difference between it being a localized flood and a global flood. And so like that would be, that would be the case would be, was it a localized flood? When, when we use the word, the word world, you know, that was it known world or was it the entire world? And so I think there, that's another plausible outcome is that it's, just, it was localized and not globalized. Um, you know, and so like, if you lived in Sodom and Gomorrah as like fire was raining from heaven, your entire world was burnt down, you know? And so like, is it the world or, or your world? That is a popular explanation that you have. Either way, regardless, you come out on the other side and you see that, you know, David is engaged in a battle with a giant. You, Joshua is engaged with the battle of a giant. And so you, you see the continuation of, we, of God's command to, to eliminate these genetic half-breeds, you know? And, and, yeah. and I think sometimes in my friend, Alexander Pagani, we had a great conversation on my YouTube channel about this was like, sometimes some people would say, oh, look at the cruelty of God that he would call for the annihilation of an entire people group. And, and so it, maybe there's actually another understanding or perspective on that yeah. if they were in, in fact like, not human <laughs> right. in the way that we define human, you know? And so then it's like, well, if you eat chicken and you're willing to kill a chicken to make a chicken nugget, <laughs> like, um, you know, you're already a justifiable murderer. And so like, what if they weren't human, you know, um, to the degree that we would, uh, you know, th th when you talk about Nephilim and like interbreeding and that kind of stuff. But again, I love these conversations. Some of them, it's speculative, but Again, I the, what I know the fruit of these conversations to be is people actually reading their Bible. Yeah. And that's my favorite part of all, all this is they'll be like, I never wanted to read the Bible. And you know, for example, I just mentioned Genesis 1, 1 and 1, 2. I mean, if you get the Finnis Dake translation, like there are not translation to uh, commentary, it, it, you know, it goes at length about this. And I've had people go on like two week Bible studies, just looking at the evidence of Lucifer's fall between Genesis one and one, two. So regardless of whether you guys believe or agree with anything I'm saying, my encouragement would be like, go on a deep dive yourself. Cause it's a pretty deep rabbit hole. <laughs> a very deep rabbit hole. And it, it seems like it just kind of gets deeper and deeper as you look at it, uh, which is a good thing because we're claiming that our God is so big and, 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 like omnipotent that I don't think yeah. we should be able to understand everything that makes our God up uh, in this finite existence. Yep. Um, and and yep. when it comes to these, the Nephilim and things like that, I, um, I, I, I find it interesting how we, we see the Genesis six and we see the giants yep. there and the, the comfort zone is then not now uh, or then, but not later uh, but the reality is we do see these giants pop up throughout the Bible and they were a real problem. Yep. Um, people don't even look at Goliath as a Nephilim. They don't even connect that dot half the time. But when you're talking about, you know, God instructing his people to eliminate entire groups of living, let's just call people for lack of better yep. terms. Like, I think the easier, like, we, these theologians, especially that, you know, don't subscribe to the supernatural worldview, especially the, the crazy supernatural worldview that I tend to have, um, <laughs> they, 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 they look at everything and they try to do these mental gymnastics to, 
um, explain in a very rational, uh, um, theologian educated way on why, how, and it's, you know, honestly, I think the easier answer is they weren't human. They weren't human. Right. They were hybrid creatures created by uh, fallen angels who were serving Satan, and God said, "Wipe them out." That's that's yeah. way easier to understand and explain. It's like, oh, got it. Okay, they weren't human. They were monsters. That works, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and I think too, like even in the archaeological record across different cultures, you see them trying to to show visually these these giants. You know, you have giants all across. Well, you know, we had like one, basically one landmass. And so you have like pyramids showing up in different places across oceans. And then you've got like hieroglyphics, but then you also have carvings. And then you have like, you have all this data and you're like, what do I do with this? Because it feels like humanity is trying to tell a similar story. And even with with David and Goliath, like I think one of the biggest tra travesties is that it became a coloring book story of like, oh, he was just a really big guy. Here's the other thing. Most people who don't read their Bible would be fascinated to know that he, that David actually, him and his mighty men went on an exploit to kill all of Goliath's brothers. Yes. And that, and that David was actually almost killed by one of Goliath's brothers. And a guy named Abishai jumps in and ends up helping David get the job done. And they're like, yo, David, you know, there was a grace for Goliath, but you, you almost just lost your head. And so it's like, why are they still fighting giants? Why, why did we have to kill Goliath's brothers as well? You know, why, why do we have to annihilate these people? And I love these conversations because the implication for people listening right now is what if, and this is where it gets scary, what if the spirit left the physical body, the container of this giant, and that spirit is roaming the earth waiting for you to give it legal right and legal access to your physical body. That's where it becomes the, the, and that for me is in the realm of deliverance, exorcism, where things get really interesting because I've had conversations with demons. And by the way, I don't recommend that anybody does this. I'm not interested in building relationships with demons, you know, but over the years and years of, of casting demons out of people, I've had crazy conversations with demons and they've told me their names They've told me what generation they came in. And I've gone and Googled some of this stuff and got my mind blown. Really? And even seeing how it's connected to people's ancestry when I come back to them. And these people are saying, I had no physical knowledge of, of that. Like, I, you know, and gotten it confirmed later. It's just been very, very bizarre. Or, you know, I go to Jamaica. I have footage. Jamaica is heavily involved in what's called Obia. So Obia is their form of like, Santeria or witchcraft, you know, it's and it's ubiquitous in in their country, and which I believe causes many people to come up under the influence of demons. And so, like, I've got footage of me um, basically breaking a curse off of this young girl who is chronically ill, and this curse went back like fifty six generations. And I don't, again, I know this stuff might get me ostracized from a lot of Christian circles, but. I believe the Holy Spirit will give you access to information in order to be more effective in ministering to people. And so in this footage, I'm dealing with this stuff, breaking those curses off by the blood of Jesus and then delivering her from demons. Well, six months later, this woman's reaching out to my ministry. My hair grew back. I feel amazing. My skin is healed and nothing else worked. And, and so it's like, 
She tried doctors, medical interventions, all this, went through a deliverance session, and then everything changed. And, and of course, again, as an armchair scientist myself, not everything is demonic, but in her particular instance, there was these deep like witchcraft-based curses. She had gotten involved in stuff. All that those things were dealt with. And then all I know is she's physically healed. You know, um, so I love that. I love that um, side of things. And I always say, if 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 your Christianity is boring, it's not the real kind. Mm. <laughs> it's you know, because it's <laughs> this stuff is. I'm I'm never bored following Jesus. I am never bored. I don't think the disciples were bored one second. <laughs> if anything, they're like, can you know how he said, can't you just stay up and watch one more hour? Why are you guys falling asleep? It's like because we're wore out. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> we're casting out demons, praying for sick people. We're tired, multiplying loaves of bread and fish. Like it's you know we're wore out, man. Not all of us can be God in the flesh, Jesus. Not all of us can be God in the flesh. <laughs> yeah, that's like a perspective I have. And it's like, if you're really doing this thing, you're going to have unexplainable stories and Christ is going to receive the glory, you know? Yeah. And and that's the thing. I mean, talking about Christ and and all this stuff that we're talking about here, you know, yeah, we I know that I'm not everybody's cup of tea, you know, especially people who aren't Christians, yeah. right? But uh, people who are, are Christians that maybe tune in and stuff and they hear, they, they're like, Whatever. But, you know, here's an interesting thing. First of all, I would say that everything that I talk about, I'm willing to be wrong on, except for one thing, which is my foundation, Romans 10.9. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Yep, yep. I confess that with my mouth. Everything from there there on, I build on. But um, here's the thing. So my cameraman from a lot of my, all my documentaries, um, he and I are the opposite ends when it comes to theology. Uh, But we are finding ourselves in this very unique situation where we're coming together to work on these projects, pursuing the supernatural realm, essentially. Um, And and we we believe that there is uh, a real supernatural realm that is vamping up and starting to expose itself in a very real way in many different avenues. I have an episode called The Return of the Nephilim. That's that's something that is a catchy oh, title, but I, I believe that that's what is coming in these end times. But also we have uh we have the 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 alien angle. And mm. we see that this is something that is starting to really gain a lot of momentum in the mainstream media and uh throughout our governments of the world, it giving a hat nod to the the idea of alien existence. Uh our government yep. saying that they have they actually have UFOs that were not made here on Earth. And uh there there seems to be this real like commingling merger between the reality that we've been spoon-fed our entire lives and the supernatural realm that we were basically told outside of the church that well, even in the church, really, but uh, that doesn't exist. Don't pay attention to it. All mm. of a sudden, it's merging, but it's merging under the umbrella of daddy government saying it's okay to now talk yeah. about and think about. And so it, it really kind of makes all of us kind of turn our heads and say, there's something happening here and we need to pay attention yes. to it. Uh, what, what is your take on on some of those things when it comes to the idea that the government is now talking about this stuff? I mean, I can go, I, I, I don't know how. Uh, far down the rabbit hole you've gone on certain things, but I can go down like WikiLeak email servers that have some really <laughs> questionable email subject lines about Nephilim and Gilgamesh. Uh, but uh, right. as, as far as like 
our government talking about UFOs, the, the prominence since like 2017 has been very uh, growing and real. Uh, why do you think that is? Well, again, as a general rule, because I'm a student of history, I have a very hard time trusting any government. I, I love the United States. Every time I travel internationally, I am incredibly thankful for this nation. Quite frankly, I'm allowed to say so much of what I say because of the provisions and protections of our constitution. And so I don't want this to sound anti-American, sure. but again, we, we tend to get the truth on delay and they've got to let it come out like multiple generations after so that the implications of that information are mitigated against. And so right now, to and I'm just being brutally honest with you because you asked a great question. I, I, I often believe that if we get information, it's for deception, not for information. You know, it's not for education. It's not, it's so like as, as a general rule, like what's the motive behind releasing this information? I used to actually teach journalism. And I can tell you within the last 20 years, like slowly the integrity of journalism is just eroded to the point where like we're almost exclusively reading tabloids. Like at the end of the day, like yeah. from, from an objective journalistic standpoint, almost 100% of what we read is the algorithm feeding our interest, you know, writers writing salacious things that will get clicks that will increase their revenue, not objective information, not truth. And so that's the day and age, which is partly why I've devoted my life to being on YouTube and these different platforms to try to play my part until I'm deplatformed. <laughs> but, um, and so like, I think, again, when I had the astrophysicist, Dr. Hugh Ross on my channel, it's like, if a craft is moving at this speed, why are we not hearing a sonic boom? You know, and then what, and what Dr. Hugh Ross has used his reputation to do is to say, I'm not denying the existence of, of this, of the craft in this footage, but simply trying to tell you it has to be interdimensional because it's, it's basically defying all of the known science that we've proven over and over and over again. And so we have to embrace that perspective. And I like the term interdimensional more than spiritual because people, when they hear the word spiritual, they think immaterial. But when I, so when I say spiritual, I don't mean immaterial. I think I like interdimensional because it's, it helps people understand the concept of both can be true. You know, like yeah. um, Elijah went up in a chariot, a whirlwind of fire. Like, what was that? That would have looked like a craft, you know? And this is the prophet Elijah. And, and so why does it specifically say he's in this chariot that goes up in a whirlwind of fire? Like, why was there a device connected to his ascension? You know, there wasn't for Jesus. Jesus, but here's the other thing that's weird. Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus says, after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be empowered to be my witnesses. Then Acts chapter one, verse nine, it says he physically and bodily ascended and um, they watched him. They looked up. They're like, he. so why did he ascend up? There's something in the heavenlies. There's, there's some kind of destination. Then what always freaks Christians out is if you believe that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, then you believe that somebody with human DNA and a glorified body, so with Mary's DNA, the lineage of Mary, is, sit, is sitting in heaven. So a physical body that people could touch, could smell, could interact with, 
is in heaven seated at the right hand of the father, like physically, not, not floating around like, you know, naked babies with harps, you know, there's like kind of the, the, the fake stuff right. that we believe in popular culture. And what I think is even more interesting is like Jesus, after the resurrection, he eats, he eats breakfast, he eats fish. Jesus, after the resurrection, walks with people. Jesus, after the resurrection, but he also like, has these abilities that we don't have and like walking through a wall, <laughs> you know? So I just like how weird it gets. So I just think, I think what's happening right now is people who aren't Christians, hopefully I'm being salt and light and I'm creating a thirst, you know, right now we're like, man, maybe, maybe I need to, maybe I'm just not a Constantinian Christian. Maybe I'm not just a religious Christian. Like maybe the door to Christ is opening to you right now. But then there's other people that are Christians who are seriously reconsidering what they think they believe. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Because it's like the when you really go down and 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 look at scripture, you're going to be challenged. Even the apostle Philip, I'll give you one more. You know, the apostle Philip ha had the ability to like translate. And what what I mean by that is like we he he travels a great distance in what seems to be moments. And how did he do that? Did God give him permission to do that bodily? It gets weird in scripture, man. <laughs> it gets really weird. It gets, it gets real weird, but you know, it, it's not, it's only weird because it's not normal to us. And the, the sooner, yeah. as soon as you start familiarizing yourself with the very supernatural aspects, the very real supernatural aspects of your own faith, if you're a Christian, yeah. or it, it, yep. if, even if you're not a Christian, just familiarizing yourself with what the supernatural aspects are of the Christian faith yeah. that 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 should be fundamental. It's no longer yeah. weird. It's just it's just like that's why when I I have such a hard time when I first meet other Christians. I had to gauge like where where are they compared to where I am on certain things because yeah. I, like how weird can I really get with this person you know like I've, I've been doing it for the last fifty minutes with you I'm like how can I really give it to him yet like you know like <laughs> like and, and you're talking to, but I'll tell you what I mean one of the things you just said here is something I never really thought about which was Jesus being physically sitting at the right hand of God like listen heaven like so we. We think about um, interdimensionalism and, and these other realms uh, as immaterial, like you said, but these are yeah. very physical. And and I, I think what you just did there allows me to have another p another tool in my tool belt when I'm talking about this with people. Um, I, I'm actually going to be uh, probably speaking uh, to a congregation in a couple months, and and I and I'm I'm now trying to prepare. How I'm going to? Because I'm going to get weird on them. It's not my church. Yeah, yeah. I do it to my congregation. <laughs> it's, it's like I'm not your pastor, so I'm just going to give it to you weird and let him yeah, clean up the exactly. mess I create. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm trying to to figure out how I can relay certain points to people, and I think this idea of Jesus physically existing at the right hand of the Father can really kind of uh, paint an image for people to kind of start understanding within their own Christian theology as to how yeah. it's possible that another realm can be physical because we we often think about like if it's not this physical realm then whatever is coming through is coming through on a spiritual plane it's spiritual it's ghostly you can put your hand through it it's not physical but that's not the case that's it's just not right. uh and 
And I, I, man, I could talk to you about some really weird things. One of these days, I really would like to talk to you about some really, yeah, really we, weird we things. Yeah, we keep going deeper. But, um, well, think about Enoch. I mean, well, let's go back to the book of Genesis. It, it said that Enoch walked so closely with God that one day he vanished. So, yeah. you know, so we have a situation like if you are a biblical-based Christian where you have to explain to me where did Enoch's body go? Because the Bible gives an account that he 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 literally disappeared and he 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 walked so close with God he vanished where did he go i mean when elijah who's another person the the other prophets that were alive at that time it actually said that they went into the mountains because they saw elijah ascend into the heavenly realm but they they couldn't they went to the mountains thinking oh he he probably went up into the mountains so they literally spent days looking for the dude so this is literal this is not like metaphoric and i think sometimes people they don't understand like when it says that elijah went up in a whirlwind in a chariot of fire this is like literal language the chariot we don't know what that thing was but i will say it was so vis visibly tangible that other prophets were like, let's go in, let's take a journey for a couple of days into the mountains and see if we can find him because we physically watched him go up. And then Jesus, there, you know, they watched Jesus ascend up. So they were going somewhere, you know, and I would like to believe that when we die, that we, this physical container of our body releases our spirit and we are be, we are given permission to go up. Matter of fact, the Bible talks about Sheol, the place of the dead, where there's of torment, and it and it always references it as down below. So it's like there is something about ascending and descending, and there's something about down below as well. So even Sheol, the place of the dead, hell as we would know it in scriptures, reference it reference to beneath. Even in the book of Proverbs, it says. Evil, you know, people who the it says the way of life is a path that causes you to go up, and then the way of evil is a is causes you to go to Sheol, which is down beneath. So we have some very interesting language. So even if you go back full circle to Satan, you know, the fall of Lucifer, he gets expelled from heaven, banished, which by the way, he doesn't lose access to heaven. That's a whole nother story, but he comes down to the earth. Um, so there's some kind of like down is a punishment and up is a graduation. You know, there's no way around yeah. it. But then, but then Satan uh, goes to tempt Job, and he does it in the presence of God in heaven. So Satan now has access. So people think like maybe Satan's only in hell. It's like not biblically. He has access to the earth. He's the prince of the power of the air, which mean him and these demonic minions are literally controlling the earth and the airways and, and this atmosphere. But then also Satan still has access to heaven, according to the book of Job. And he's able to do that until the lake of fire. So, and where he's permanently annihilated or tormented, depending on your theological perspective. But I love this stuff because if you go, if you go into this direction, it's like, okay, if he's the referred to as the prince of the power of the air, where is internet? You know, um, it's down below or up above satellites, television networks. You start getting into this idea of, and then where, and then, and then anytime I start speaking truth, that's when you get deplatformed because he owns all the platforms. 
You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. He's And he's been owning them. You know, Satan's using these masks. What is the Tower of Babel? It's like, it's a tower that goes up where they're all in unity towards one language, you know? And so Satan's always going to come in the form of false unity. That's another thing. And so the the, the diversity within unity movement it's like it's all it's all demonically controlled, you know, the United Nations coming together. All this stuff is so clandestine and to me orchestrated demonically. It's like we've already seen this before. Yep. <laughs> and that's why I love the concept of these are ancient demons in new days carrying out it's like a redundancy. They they'll do the same plan over and over and over again. Like if you study the book of Daniel, there was music. So every single time Nebuchadnezzar wanted people to bow before the idol, music would start playing. And so you go to these concerts now and it's like the same thing. The music starts playing and then people start having sex. People start, I, I want to go fornicate. I want to cheat on my wife. I want to I get drunk. I'm using substances. It's like, it's just, you see the patterns over and over and over again. And to me, once you peel back the layer, like, oh, it's a different dynasty. It's a different culture. It's a different, um, you know, government. But it's the same spirits behind all of it, over and over and over again. Absolutely. You know? And 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 just to clarify for people listening right now, because I know there's somebody in there in out there right now that heard what you just said and is automatically jumped to the conclusion that you're saying that uh, music is of the devil. I know. I, I know. No. I know you're not saying that. And I just wanted to clarify that, but. Uh, there are like music is a tool that is being used right now in our culture, and right. and within the our own music industry, there are people throughout the years who have come out to say such things. And recently, there's been a real, uh, it seems like coordinated push through some mainstream, real big uh, artists. And I saw. Uh, so there's several artists on on tour right now this year: uh, Swift, Beyonce, uh, Jackson, uh, Madonna. Uh, there's a couple other ones, but and 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 I don't know a whole lot of these newer artists and stuff. I'm 38. I'm getting old. I don't really pay attention. <laughs> Come uh, on, somebody. Th this this Doja Cat person I, I I hear about and the demonic stuff, and I've seen different things. Um, Beyonce is somebody who you hear rumors about over the years. I've looked at over the years, a lot of questionable things. And it wasn't until uh, recently I saw a, a video from somebody's cell phone of one of her concerts and the opening of the concert. I could send you this video. Um, mm. It is, it's crazy because it's like a, you're, you feel like you're going on a mind trip, but she introduces visually angels and mm. she introduces like, um, I, I, I've had a hard time to, to describing what I saw as far as visually goes, but there's angels, and then there's this um, this the next image is of a woman's legs, and mm. they're open, and on the video screen you're taken in between her legs, and that is where you come in and meet uh, um, Beyonce, and she's being uh, worked on and transformed into a, mm. a like a, like a half human, half robot type being. And there's a lot of symbolism there. There's a there's a, there's a ton actually. And uh, it, there the in, the music industry has been uh, co opted by evil forces. Same with the Hollywood industry. Um, yeah, and you know you being in New York and stuff, uh, you. 
I imagine you've come across. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's not Hollywood, but I imagine you you come across at times, maybe not you per, per se, but people in that area, just because, you know, these these artists go there and stuff. There's got to be like rumors and legends of th weird oh, things yeah. happening at these concerts that people talk about afterwards. Well, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. So if you, a friend of mine, Jimmy Levy, who actually was an American Idol contestant and finalist I mean, so you guys can look him up, you know, went really, really deep uh, in the American Idol journey. And he's had multiple number one singles. Like, so he very well respected, like legitimate music artist has gone on record. And this is why I bring him up of saying like, when I went in, the deeper I went into the music industry, I was required to actually do satanic rituals. Like it was, it, it was essential. And then I've got another friend that, you know, he was a, a really, really talented mathematician and ended up working in the um, upper echelons like the, of the Canadian government. And he tells me all kinds of stories of like them actually doing satanic rituals like in the Canadian government. And so, and he's been very outspoken about that. He's done like internationally syndicated Christian television programming and different interviews where he's said this over and over again. And so my point is the reason why you keep hearing these stories is because they're true and because people understand. And there's two kinds, I believe there's two kinds of witches. There's the, the people who know fully well what they're doing. And then there's other people that are, that they believe that it's a charade, it's a play, you know, you're going through the motions that it's sort of symbolic. And I think that's always how the enemy he gets us. It's like, oh, it, this isn't literal. This isn't real. This is symbolic. This is just a gesture. This is just, a, you know, the Beyonce video that you mentioned, they would just say, oh, this is art. You know, th this all means this, 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 and this. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and then sometimes they'll even say, oh, well, we just know we're going to get a rise out of Christians, which is easy publicity and things of that nature. But for me, when I'm holding somebody's daughter and, and, you know, after they just violently threw up and these demons are, have been talking. And when I see the effects of it, when I see the cuts all over their arms because they've been systematically mutilating their body and the spirit says, I'm the demon of Molech, you know, and these, and these people don't even have a knowledge of what they're talking about. These are not academics. These are just average people who have come up under the influence of music. And, and I, again, I always say, what are, Follow the follow the fruit of it. Like an apple tree bears apples, right? And so the type of people who listen to that type of music are the type of people that are, it's rampant sexuality, it's drug abuse, it's addiction. The lifestyle in the culture of the music is always in unity. And to me, those are demonic cultures at the end of the day. So do I believe that all music is the devil? No, I'm actually a huge music fan. I used to be a traveling musician myself. I think there's great love songs and things that no problem, you know, like I, and I don't even think that Christians have to exclusively listen to worship music all the time. By the way, I think there's some worship music that's demonic. And, yes. and, and you know, I've done viral videos about that where I'm just like, dude, that is heretical yes. lyrically. But but to really directly answer your question, I have friends and peers that have both been in upper echelon hierarchies of government and the music industry 
who come back saying, what made me a Christian was seeing satanic rituals being done. And that's crazy to me. So if so, what, what kind of power does it have to produce, and I'm saying this in air quotes, success that they would actually be willing to do it? You know, yeah, absolutely. I mean, That's where it gets really, really scary. It goes right back to where you know who's the ruler of this earth right now, and yeah, you know, um, you're. I, I, I've heard same things. I mean, I, I had a guy sitting here in my studio with me not too long ago, telling me because he used to work in the government, and he was telling me how uh, I'm not going to go into what branch because it might give away his identity for, to my audience, but. Uh, essentially, he said that there were black masses going on before certain things that they'd be doing, and uh, mm. and he's not a Christian. Wow. He he, uh, yep. I, think, I think he. To be honest with you, I think he's more new age now. But um, he was just, you know, it's funny. You, you see people come forward and they they start talking about what they've seen within the governments and stuff, and it, it's just how many signs and and nods do you need to have before you start saying, yeah, this stuff is real. You know, and, and exactly at some point you just got to be like, okay, so reality is not what I thought it would be was. And uh, yep. I need to start reconsidering uh, how I view things and start looking into things. Or you could put your head in the sand and de decide, hey, you know what? I'm bowing out here and I'm just going to pretend that I didn't see that. You know, fake steak tastes the best. Uh, and so, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like it's just, um, uh, my friend Joel, that's his lyric from his one song, uh, but it's a reference to, it's a nod to the matrix. Um, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it, it's just, uh, it, it's anyways, listen, I, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, uh, uh, two more questions here. Uh, one, actually, you know what? I might save this whole Samson David's mighty men for another time. Maybe we'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. We could definitely, uh, I think if the listeners are interested, I'll, I'll definitely jump back in on that for perfect. sure. So I'll, I'll I'll ask you this last question then, um, the Knicks or the Nets? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so quickest way I can answer it is when I first moved to New York City, I told my congregation, I said, whoever gets me tickets to either one of the teams first is what team I'll claim because I'm originally from Chicago area, so I'm like an old school like '90s era Bulls gotcha. fan, and and so um, it, it's now Knicks because. I got the tickets to to Knicks. Although I have a friend that just became like a, I don't know what they call them, the um, like a pastoral oversight for the net. So he's trying to win me over. A pastoral so, oversight? Yeah. What do they call those guys that um, probably somebody listening is driving him crazy that I can't remember the name, but it goes to show you like how out of the game I am for that. Um, I don't know what they call them. Like but a, yeah, they, like, like you come in and do Bibles. Chaplain. Okay. Are you serious? Yeah. They they have Yeah, the Nets have a chaplain and my friend just got got that spot. Does Jay-Z know this? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's I don't know if you know if he approves of it, but <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Okay. Well that's hey, that's really interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge Sixers fan, but um Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, listen, I appreciate you uh, hopping on again with me and stuff. I, I really think we should do it again. Uh, I'm sure the audience will agree on that. But uh, if you guys think that we should have him back on, please leave your comments on the YouTube video and stuff. Let us know so that we know to bring him back on. Uh, and if you say no, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to bring him back on because I do what I want around here. It's my show. <laughs> so <laughs> suckers. So uh, <laughs> throwing it down. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I appreciate you being on here. And uh, as far as the the film goes, let's circle back to that to end it out here. 
Uh, do you have any dates as to when it will be available for digital pur- purchase? Yeah, so the, I'm working on that now. It's I don't have a date because part of it is we're working on captions and things for other countries and languages. I would say January is a real good expectation. If you guys go to mikesignorelli.com, you can sign up for my text community to get to, so to be the first to be text about it. And uh, there's many more resources there, but yeah, it's we're we're really gunning to get it up on you know YouTube for rent and Amazon and Apple and all those other places. So probably January. Yeah, perfect. Sounds good. Uh, Pastor Mike Signorelli, the Demon Slayer. Thanks for being here, man. <laughs> Come on. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends. I don't care where or how you share the show. Just share the show if you enjoyed it. In fact, I highly suggest you take the link that you're listening to right now and text it to your three favorite people in your life right now because if you like them so much and you like this show so much, there's a good chance they'll like this show as much as you like the show. So why don't you all like the show together? All right, friends, thanks for being here. And until next week, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first, it'll piss you off. Bye.